text is from Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 13. Please follow along as I read the passage aloud for us. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear, tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. This is God's word. Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Let's pray. God, would you be with us this morning? Uh, would you bring us awareness and clarity and even a sobriety of a sense of what you are up to in our lives, specifically in this time and during this day? God, we desire for hope. Would you instill in us hope that truly only comes from you? And would you be with us this morning? Amen. So the question is this morning, um, do you ever feel exhausted? <laughs> I'm not talking tired, I'm talking like a deep in our bones kind of exhaustion. Um, if you're like me this morning, um, it's been a while since we've been together, but really it's only been seven days since we've been here and it feels like five years. <laughs> so uh, we just went through a season of Advent and uh, we talked about the aspect of expectantly waiting, um, which is more about time as well. But we also had our Christmas Eve service, so it was wonderful to be together, to see families, to see kids. Um, and if you're like me, everything from about two months prior to that to now feels like seven years. And so I wanna say no fear, we're not alone in this. The world also feels this. Um, and it's really funny, the day after Christmas, I saw this um, post on Instagram that was from one of my favorite designers that kind of sums up the way that we might be feeling this season, and I wanna just show it to you guys. So, it's called the week after Christmas. So, I just wanna talk through some of the chart is, first of all, exhaustion. Uh, as we see, it's over time, it goes up a lot. <laughs> um, the number of Christmas lights still hanging goes exponentially down. The daily time spending garbage on sale. <laughs> so, that also, luckily, goes down as well. Uh, New Year's Eve plans, which I think is really funny. Nothing until literally yesterday. <laughs> uh, the stuff I need to do in yellow, orange, um, and then the stuff I actually do is still at the bottom. 
And then my favorite part is, what day is it? What time is it? Where am I? <laughs> so if our lives are like any of this, we actually have to laugh because if we don't, I might cry, it's just really sad. So, um, but listen, it's not just within ourselves, actually, what we might be experiencing in all comedy of that chart. It's actually that the world also is onto something that we actually feel exhausting as well. Um, and it seems like an exhausting aspect of time too. And so this past week, I read an article in The Atlantic that said that the week between Christmas and New Year's is now known as dead week. It's the only time in our culture that we can get a rest. Author Helen Fitzgerald quotes, Christmas is over and we have arrived at the most wonderful time of the year. I call it dead week, a time when nothing counts and when nothing is quite real. She further on writes, dead week isn't a week off for everyone or at least the thing it is a week off from isn't work. Even so, it is still the closest thing we have in our society to some kind of communal pause. Nothing is ever as quiet as it is during those few days, cities emptied out and small towns sleepier than usual, people drifting around not interested in accomplishing anything. There is a collective sense that for these few days, we are not going to do any more than we must. It doesn't really matter if you don't brush your hair, if you stay up all night, if you don't send that work email. See, many people aren't checking email anyway, and nobody wants to be asked to do more work than they absolutely have to. She goes on further and says, dead week is not only our time off from the forward motion drive of the rest of the year, it is a time against ambition and against striving. Whatever we hope to finish is either finished or it is not going to happen this week. <laughs> and all of our successes and failures from the previous year are already tallied up. It's too late for everything. Dead week is the luxurious relief of giving up. <laughs> so I'm glad we're laughing because like I said, if we don't laugh, we're gonna cry in the state of our world. But it's this looming sense of doom that our culture also, our world also feels this. It's comical. I also love the part that says giving up is luxurious. I was like, wow, that's gonna end really quickly when we have to go back to work. But um, it also talks about too, just how short-sighted that is, right? We're only allowed to give up for a week. That small window of time between Christmas and New Year's. So they also quote of like time off from the forward motion drive of the rest of the year. They're onto something. It's like we're being pulled into this current. And also funny is that all of our successes and failures from the previous year are already tallied up. It's too late for everything. <laughs> Once again, we laugh, we might cry. Uh, but the framework is still the same in our world and it tells us something. It says that we are lacking meaning and hope and our result is exhaustion. So they're onto something in the current of our society. So the question is, why are we exhausted? And why so much are we exhausted that we feel like we need something like a dead week, right? It's because we internally know that we have this sinking sense that we're running out of time. So this morning, I'm gonna talk about time and wonder. But first, we're gonna focus on time. So not necessarily the definition of time, but the concept of time. And specifically, I wanna talk about how we see and spend this concept of time, right? So time 
is a concept that's actually able to bring us anxiety and exhaustion, like all the examples that we had, right? And why? It's that there is this sinking feeling that not everyone actually has the same amount of time. And because we have this sense that time is actually running out or this concept of time is running out, we try everything in our means and our power to live outside of time. Right? We ask ourselves these questions constantly. If you're like me, I ask these like every day like to myself. What did I do with my time? Regardless of the season, sometimes I'm like, what did I do with my time? Where did it go? What can I show for my time? Even more complex is an added layer with perhaps the type of years that we live by. Here we are, New Year's. We're looking back at our year, looking forward. But we live by this type of year, which is like a school year a fiscal year, there's a planting season, a harvesting season, and even civic calendar years. Also, there's types of childhood years, right? Adolescence, adulthood, middle age, old age. And even more unique about this is that all of these markers of time and years are not like one another. So with every different kind of year, we can also not expect to give each aspect of time and years equal value. We can see that each time period can be complex and diverse and varied, and we see that many kinds of time periods have an ability to shape us, and most years actually do not begin and end at the same time. So again, we ask, why are we exhausted? We have the sense that time is running out and actually the results for us is, is grasping at how and what we need to do to fill our time. Sometimes it's to escape exhaustion. Sometimes it's to like distract ourselves. But really, if we think about it, it's the root of we're running out of time, right? And for us even further in the, the framework of calendars, it's actually how we see our time. And even further, it's how we spend our time. And because of this concept, it should spark an awareness in us and a kind of ache or kind of curiosity of we want to show or explain what we have done with our time. In other words, we can say we put values on our time. An example for you is I hate grocery shopping, okay? Some people, it's the highlight of their life. I do not understand this. <laughs> but my thought process of this is I do not want to spend an hour and a half to two hours finding parking in the city. It's a whole other ball game. Finding parking, especially in rain. Finding parking, fighting parking, fighting people in the aisles, trying to figure out what I actually need from the store and forgetting. And then I'm going while I'm hungry and I buy everything in the store and then I've just wasted time, right? So that for me, it's about the time and value spent of grocery shopping, where for me, I can say this is a moment of, of privilege is that I actually love the delivery service. So <laughs> yeah, I love the delivery service, but for me, it's about the value of time, right? It's like, instead of me walking and driving and doing all this stuff, I can spend time focusing on something else while somebody else shops for me and then delivers it to my door. So I don't know if this is a confession time, but just the value of time <laughs> for me. But all of us should relate that, gosh, there are things in our lives that we would rather do instead of something else, right? We place a value on time. We've also heard the phrase, time is money. We often talk about time, this concept of time, in the language of currency. We spend, we save, 
we hoard and fuel and use our time for the good life or the things we desire because we have an underlying fear and understanding that time will run out. And our values, what we see and view time as, they uh, inform the way that we see and use our time as well. So here are two types of values that I want us to focus on in this concept of time, right? There's the world's value of time and there's the kingdom's value of time. One will lead to exhaustion and the other more depth and meaning. So the world values of time, right? The world emphasizes the values of performance, productivity, optimizing, and efficiency. Because of these worldly time values, we maximize our time. And because we cannot slow down time or control time, this drives us further to the optimization of it. The world tells us that we have to load all of the things, like goals and tasks and resolutions, vacations, things to do in the day, in our week, in our month, in our year. We all have to cram it in there. However, as Christians, the follower of Jesus, we do not live by the world's values of time. There's actually a different set of kingdom values in this concept of time, right? Time is measured differently in the kingdom of God. And kingdom values of time are not centered around productivity or performance or optimization or maximization or efficiency but they're really measured around faithfulness, self-awareness, understanding, and wisdom. See, this is the invitation we have is to see and spend our time with more depth and meaning. In our passage in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a wisdom book for us. It's here that we're given kingdom values and awareness of the seasonalities of time. We're gonna go back to our scripture in Ecclesiastes 3. It says, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. We see in this passage that our lives and our time is an awareness about the seasonality that we're in. And there's gonna be many types of seasons in our lives. We're not just gonna have the good life all the time, right? We want more depth and more meaning. So for us, it's to recognize and be aware of the types of seasons that we might be living in currently in our life, right? There's seasons of war, there's seasons of harvest, there's seasoning of celebration, but yet also ones of peace and pain and suffering and even non-exciting seasons where we're just waiting for things to grow, right? This can seem very monotonous, but part of it is being aware of the time and season that we're in. I wanna ask maybe for us this morning, for us to imagine or wonder what kind of season that we're being made aware of right now as we're outlining this passage, right? This morning, what kind of season might we recognize that we're in, right? 
The kingdom values of time, these are built around the awareness of recognizing the type of season we're in, right? We as humans, also creatures, right, are the only kind of creature that is aware of time. There are no other creatures on earth that are aware and are able to number our days. And we are the only ones wired that the way to know this is that our time is limited, right? Example, our pet dogs or cats don't really know the concept of time, right? They like know maybe night and day, but not when they're gonna die or what they have time left in their life, you know? But, but with God, as humans, we see that there's an awareness of limitations that's bound by time. We've numbered our days, right? And even if we don't like it, we actually are made aware of it. But we are actually created and made to be fixed in time by God's good creation. Further in Ecclesiastes 3 on verse 9, it says, What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future in their minds. Yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. See, with this awareness, the kingdom value of time is about understanding. And with the awareness and understanding, this compels us the value for the need for wisdom. In Psalm 90, 12, it says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. There is an even deeper tension that we feel in the kingdom values and how we live them and how we view our concept of time. There is a value of faithfulness for us in a way to live in this tension that we feel. In Ecclesiastes 3, we remind, are reminded he has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, he has put a sense of past and future into their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. This is that tension, right? And this is the kind of tension I'm talking about, is that we're rooted in our humanity, but we're bound by time as humans. We sense a past and a future, but we cannot know what God has done from the beginning to the end, meaning we are limited, finite creatures by God's great design. It's intended that way. And this tension means that for the follower of Jesus, we are both an eternal-minded people, yet we do not have an eternity of time on earth. That's the tension, right? We do not get to be everything, everywhere, all at once and live in multi-dimensions, right? And while that's such an amazing movie, <laughs> we are bound by time and exist in one dimension on earth. So the problem, right? Here's the tension. If we are both eternal and limited, this tension of living our kingdom values in this world, how are we to live and use our time? Our invitation lies in the choice to be formed in a different way, in the kingdom value way by God. We actually get to use our time to wonder with God. This is where the wonder part comes in. And what I mean by wonder is we begin to ask ourselves and ask with God all kinds of really good questions, no matter the season that we find ourselves in. We wonder with God by asking him how we are to view our time. How are we to view time in general? It's actually also how we see our time and how we spend our time and how we actually will partner with him to use our time. 
The point of wonder with God is all about self-awareness and curiosity, right? We take our seasons and the awareness of what we're in, that where we are at at any point of our season with God, and we get to wonder and ponder and ask him questions. What is he doing? What does this mean for me? (laughs) We approach our time with the use of kingdom values of time, and so we allow God to expand our imaginations and creativity in the way that we might see our lives, how we are to spend our lives, what we are to invest in, what we are to spend and share our time with, and who we're supposed to spend that time with, right? We allow God to use the values of faithfulness and awareness and wisdom and understanding to turn us to wonder with God. So what is wonder, right? Wonder is rapt attention or astonishment at something awesomely mysterious or new to one's experience. See, for us, it can be a noun or a verb or an adjective, right? We use our time to wonder with God when we no longer base our values on time in this world. We don't live by the world's values. We no longer base our time on the natural passing of time or the civic calendar just alone solely, where we actually see our lives and time moving from energy to decay. There's so much more for us to view our lives as. Our time and our life as humans are no longer seen with the world values of time at the center, where we are actually moving from a diminishing mobility to a less physical life. There is more available to us in the kingdom of God. We also use and view our time on this earth to wonder with God when we recognize the season we are in and turn it towards God to begin to allow him to reshape our values and the way we use our time. See, wonder with God also, with curiosity, also helps make time and space for hope and joy. It's with Jesus that we are given a model of actually what not just makes us happy. We don't just want the good life, right? But Jesus is the center of joy. It's where joy exudes from. In Psalm 65, eight says, the whole earth is filled with your awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. See, when we take time to wonder with God, we are choosing to live our lives by kingdom values, not by the world's values. And then there's space for hope, right? We allow wonder to make space for us to partner with God in making a space for that to exist. It's the way that we view and see our concept of time that could be potentially filled with hope. There's really room to dream big with God here, right? There's a quote by author James K.A. Smith. It says that hope is possible precisely because you don't think the present is all there is. And you don't, also don't think that humans are the only agents in this, that the God of the cosmos who fires the world with love is out ahead of us, which is precisely why there can always be new possibilities. I think that's radical for us to think about personally and individually. And I think it's radical for us to think about collectively and communally, right? So we take this, and I wanna share an example, a couple different examples in my life, how I've been able to view my time in the kingdom values of time, right? I've made a point to take time to wonder with God, and after time, there's trust built, there's room for hope, there's room for joy, and I have this trust and pursuit of following him that he's actually helped shape the way that I see and spend my time, right? 
One of the examples is New Year's was never, it was no longer something that I dreaded, right? I kind of thought it was like always unmet expectations and obviously I like to go to bed at like nine o'clock. And so I just was like, who cares? It's just a day, whatever. But I could actually partner with God to say, what do you have, what's, what am I making space for, right? What are you wanting to do with my life? Not just in the year, but like with my time and actually help me reflect. What have you been doing in my life? Where have you been present? What can I partner with you to see? right? It's helped me turn time and those seasons, those seasons that we're really aware of that I've actually could have turned to bitterness and hardness. He's actually turned and helped me turn it to gentleness and even a partnership or pathway for forgiveness for other people, for myself, and also with God to talk with him. It's turned seasons and time of anxiety and even the need for control into a space for freedom and release from burdens with God. Burdens that I actually was never meant to carry. Those ones of control or anxiety or just that striving or the optimization of our life with God and we partner with him in wonder, it doesn't really have room for that. And wonder turned into dreaming and expanding my imagination with God about my life and actually even further life with others and for others. So the cool thing too about wonder is that it leads to more wonder. So we ask ourselves too, with this, with time and wonder, how can we keep cultivating the sense of wonder with God to transform the way that we view and shape our time? One example is we can do this is what I've learned actually to do is to take time with God through the use of the Christian liturgical calendar. This has helped me transform my time to wonder with God. So the word liturgy comes from the Greek word laos, meaning the people, and ergon to work. And so liturgy means the work of the people. So within scripture and the Bible, the word liturgy refers to the service or sacrifices in the temple. So this type of liturgical calendar is not just a set of timed events or holidays like our civic calendar, but it's more that it's an intentionally centered around the movements and rhythms of Jesus's life. It's time provided in an ordered means of engaging with God. In Jeremiah 6, 16, it says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. An example for this is like our civic calendar, right? That we participate in the Western world gives us chunks of even time in our day, right? Perhaps universally we know and are most familiar with meal times, right? Breakfast, lunch, my favorite snack time, dinner. So all of those things in there, we know generally speaking when those things are supposed to occur in our day, right? That's the civic calendar, it's an event. However, the liturgical calendar also has moments in our day, in our week, in our year, in months, in quarters that actually focus on kingdom values. It's centered around Jesus and the concentration of life in the spirit in our lives that's set at points of time. One of the ways that I find this so helpful is actually it turns time to wonder with God. I have set time. That's not about accomplishing a task, but it's just like a space that I can ask God questions. And it's actually how I engage my time with it, whether it's a year or daily or monthly, but it also gives me imagination and perspective of what Jesus is up to in all areas of my life at any time in my life. 
Eugene Peterson has a great quote which talks about when we submit our lives to what we read in scripture, we find that we are not being led to see God in our stories, but our stories in God's. God is the larger context and plot in which our stories find themselves. It gives us perspective, right? Kingdom values gives us understanding and awareness for us to like live our life, not just solely for ourselves, but what God is doing around the world. So how do we keep cultivating the sense of awareness or wonder with our time? Another question we might be asking is, how do we keep living in the tension of the world's values versus the kingdom values? And how do we actually like situate our lives around this, right? These are all amazing questions to ponder with God and are even emphasized in that point of wonder, wondering with God, right? As followers of Jesus, wonder is vital to the way that we view our time and how we see it and how we spend it. Eugene Peterson has a great quote also about wonder. It says, without wonder, we approach spiritual formation as a self-help project. We employ techniques, we analyze gifts and potentialities, we set goals, we assess progress. Spiritual formation is reduced to cosmetics. Without wonder, the motivational energies in spiritual formation get dominated by anxiety and guilt. Anxiety and guilt restrict. They close us in on ourselves. They isolate us with feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness. They reduce us to ourselves at our worst. Spiritual formation is distorted into moral workaholism or pious athleticism. This is not the way that we are to spend our time, right? We want to live into the values of the kingdom. We wanna be formed by Jesus, not by guilt or anxiety. I just love that he talks moral workaholism and pious athleticism. I'm like, no, let's not do that ever. (laughs) So the other question is, what are we to pursue the kingdom values of time and wonder with, right? I have a friend named Junie, she's three years old, and she reminded me of this saying, we were talking about wonder, and all of a sudden it sparked the Sesame Street saying that says perfectly and powerfully what it is to wonder with God. It says, I wonder what if, let's try. Let's say that aloud together, really excitedly. (laughs) All right, I wonder what if, let's try. Man, these three things that I wanna share with you are all about kind of how to keep cultivating. They're not the only three things, but it's that statement of asking, I wonder, what if, let's try. That's the beginning of living and uh, offering our time to God in wonder, right? The first thing I wanna share with you of like how I situate my life to kind of make space for this is the first one is wonder begins in prayer, Right, this begins with a question, right, with wonder about how I use my time. We can ask God and talk to God about everything and anything at any time of day, right? We ask questions like, I wonder how we can use our time to wonder with God, right? I want him to expand our imagination and our creativity of what our time could look like. So we also bring questions and aspects of our lives and the seasons that we're in. Remember that awareness part? Whatever season we're in or whatever tension we're feeling, we can bring that to God. We know that we live on earth, like not eternally, right? But we have a perspective of that we're living with God 
eternally as well. So he should shape our time and we wanna ask him those questions. Sometimes we have to be really honest, like brutally honest. There's times that I'm like, this is annoying and I don't wanna do it. Like, and what do I do, God? Will you help show me what that looks like? It's the time of prayer that centers me on the heart of God for him to shape conversations and the way that we talk and process. So we can dream together and wonder with him in prayer. The second one is wonder is actually a way of life. The question that I would ask or we could ask ourselves is, I wonder what it would look like to allow Jesus to shape my time this year. This is getting specific, right? Maybe even for today. What would it look like for him to shape that? And we acknowledge through prayer and time with God that we as humans, as humans and creatures, we're bound by time, right? And followers of Jesus, we're living into being formed by the way of Jesus. So this affects the way that we use and spend and see our time. And one of the ways that we do this at our community is through the way of life, which then turns into a rule of life, right? This is made up of our eight practices that are intentional ways for us to be shaped by the way of Jesus. It's made up of four practices of presence and four practices of participation. And we also engage in this way with also our bread readings that we've done in the years past, but this all is shaped by the theme and the movement of the Christian liturgical year. It's for our good to be able to connect and be intimate with God. And this way of life or this rule of life, which it will become, is meant to take us on an adventure of moments and time to uncover and explore what Jesus might be inviting us to. We are invited to reframe the ways he's been at work actually all along in our lives. And it's also to instill a sense of wonder in how to grow wiser and deeper and integrated in our lives with Christ. The third one is wonder is done together. There is this great mystery of Christ and a relationship in life with him that's revealed through community and that of the church that's actually together and rooted in unity. And the community and the church and one of us all together are gifts from God. See, for me, I need reminders from my community to remind me of the goodness of God sometimes in the seasons. I need people to encourage me and challenge me and remind me of moments that actually are time is finite, but also we actually have a lot to hope in eternally. We can ask the questions of taking time to wonder with God, such as, I wonder what kind of year this would mean for me if I gave my time to God first, and then expanding our imagination of like, what would that time look like for my friends and my family, or even larger for my community? and maybe help me dream about something that's even more expansive for our community at large. My community asks me questions and helps me build awareness by asking together and helping me see where God is in moments and in seasons. And they actually help me live into those kingdom values, right? About faithfulness and self-awareness and understanding and wisdom. So here is our New Year's invitation today. Actually, it's our invitation every day. It's not just today. The good news is that it doesn't expire. <laughs> we can, uh, we're invited to this every day. It's actually, we have the invitation to allow our time to be partnered with God. We get to inhabit and exhibit the kingdom values through taking time to wonder with God. If you would, let's stand and I'd love to pray.
God, we are finite beings. <laughs> God, we um, are grateful that we have human limits, Lord. We trust in what you are doing. And God, we thank you for being a person that we can come to and offer our time and our wonder and curiosity about life and how we spend our time. Would you expand our imagination for what that looks like, God? Would you give us rest for our hearts and our souls, Lord, that there's room and space for joy and hope? And Lord, we acknowledge that we're bound by time, but you have authored and given to us even eternal life, God. We're in awe and wonder of the things you have done and are doing in our lives. And God, thank you for the invitation that never ends, for that time to wonder with you. Amen. <laughs>